neighbors, and welcome to Imagine the Potential podcast. My name is David Limerick, and I am a behavioral financial advisor with We Street Wealth Management. Your financial plan is yours to write. Imagine the potential if you had the tools to create it. No matter what chapter you are in, we want to provide you with the tools you need to write your financial story. So welcome to Imagine the Potential Podcast. Listen, if you're enjoying the podcast, do me a favor and hit the subscribe button and share it with your friends. Now, in today's episode, we're going to continue the discussion of biases in investing and how they affect us. In the previous episode, I discussed cognitive biases and gave uh, examples of some of the studies around cognitive biases. The five biases I discussed was framing, availability, mental accounting, anchoring, and confirmation. These five biases are considered cognitive biases. In today's episode, I want to take a deep dive into the emotional biases. Emotional biases are driven by fear and or desires, and they bypass reasoning. Unlike cognitive biases, which are mental shortcuts. So managing our emotions around investing can lead to better outcomes. In this podcast, I want to discuss five emotional biases, lost aversion, status quo, endowment, regret aversion, and overconfidence. Now, the first emotional biases that I would like to discuss is called the loss aversion. Lost aversion is defined as this. People generally feel the pain of loss more profoundly than the joy of gain. Research has found that some investors need to win twice as much as they lose to be indifferent to risk-taking. According to Psychology Today, loss aversion is an expression of fear. In another study, consumers were asked to either build up a basic pizza by adding ingredients like sausage and pepperoni or scale down a fully loaded pizza by removing ingredients. Consistent with loss aversion, consumers in the subtractive condition, in other words, taking things off the pizza, ended up with pizzas that had significantly more ingredients than those in the additive condition. This was done by Levin in 2002. Now, the principle of loss aversion also applies to the emotional pain of scaling back. While we indulge in buying things such as a larger home, a new car, a bigger TV, we think that we can always downsize if we can't afford these purchases. But in reality, downsizing to a smaller home is psychologically painful. In an article called What is Lost Aversion, losses attract more attention than comparable gains. This was posted in March of 2018. Let me read this to you. So how does loss aversion hurt investors' behavior and finances? Generally, lost aversions can lead to an individual holding on to an investment that is losing as they want to avoid the pain of seeing a loss materialized, which only adds to the pain of the loss. Now, the flip side of this is that some investors will sell a winning asset too early and miss gains. Thayer said it this way, people are five times more averse to loss than missed gains. 
Now, here's a practical lesson on loss aversion. The belief in the law of small numbers in 1979 was an article written by Tershovsky and Kuman. Imagine if you in, were invited to participate in a game where you toss a coin in the air. If the coin lands on heads, then you receive $100. If you land on tails, you lose $100. Even though the odds are 50-50, most people will not play the game due to the thought of losing the $100. In general, it is a two-to-one ratio of gains to loss to get people to play the coin toss game. Now, the next emotional bias I'd like to discuss is status quo. This is the bias in which people respond to new circumstances by doing nothing instead of adapting. People are generally more comfortable keeping things as they are. You know, the idea of not liking change is truly real. The reason is that change can cause chaos in our lives. And most people will do whatever they can do to avoid chaos in their emotions. Here are a few examples. First example is this. The contract of one of your vendors in your company is about to expire. And you renew the deal without giving much thought to whether or not a competitor may have a better deal or a better fit for your company you stay with the status quo. Here's another example from HR. During open enrollment for healthcare coverage, an employee selects the same insurance plan he previously had. There are several new plans being offered, but the employee doesn't have any major issues with his current insurance, so he doesn't take the time to actually even explore the other options. One more example is your company is considering moving to a new project management software, and I know this never happens, and decides to poll employees about the potential switch. The employees overwhelmingly show a preference for keeping their existing software simply because they're familiar with it. And lastly, a hiring manager interviews several candidates for a position. The candidate that he chooses tends to be more like him and have similar experiences and personalities to his own. Unconsciously, the hiring manager is favoring candidates that are less likely to disrupt the status quo of the company. Now, investors unwilling to change or adapt to to new information may end up with portfolios that are inappropriate given their circumstances. This bias may prevent an investor from looking for opportunities where changes may be beneficial or from realizing an old investment is no longer suitable. Here's an example. People tend not to shift the allocations in their retirement portfolios even as their time horizons and market cycles have changed. That is huge. Now, the third common emotional bias is endowment bias. This means that when a person owns a stock or investment, they often become emotionally engaged or attached to this object. I know we've never become emotionally engaged to any object. That's why we have hoarders, if you're wondering. This is the reason that they place an excessively higher value on the stock. As a result, 
their worldview of the market can become skewed and biased. Take, for example, you once gave someone a mug, and then you offered them a more expensive gift to replace it. Many people want to keep the mug. It is the idea of a bird in the hand is worth two in a bush. How does this infect an investor? Simply put, an investor is likely to hold on to a stock they own simply because they own it. Now, the fourth common emotional bias I want to dive into is regret aversion. This can be defined as when an investor may want to avoid the pain of making a poor investment decision. And by not making a decision, the choice can create regret. Whether the loss comes from an investment that went down or from a perceived loss resulting from a stock that went up that they did not even own. Trying to avoid the pain of regret associated with a bad decision may cause investors to hold on to their positions for too long. Now, here's a very good example. Warren Buffett calls this the herd mentality. Investors may buy into an already up and volatile market, believing that if they don't, they could be missing out on a really good opportunity. When according to Warren Buffett, the time to sell is when everyone is buying and the time to buy is when everyone is selling. I use this statement many times. If everyone is jumping off of a bridge, would you jump also? Understand the herd is not always right. Many times people will have what I call paralysis by analysis. They choose not to do anything because they can't come to a a, a rational decision or feel like that they can come to a decision. But the truth is this, no decision is a decision. Regret causes emotional pain. Hence, the the brain tries to avoid making decisions that cause regret. One of the best examples of this is fear of missing out. People sometimes will do things they should not do for fear of missing out on the fun. Now, the final emotional bias I will discuss is the overconfidence bias. This happens when people overestimate their own abilities. I know we don't know anyone like this, but people showing the overconfidence bias may mistakenly equate information quantity with quality, feeling more confident if they have substantial amounts of information, even if the quality of that information is poor. Overconfident investors tend to underestimate the risk and overestimate the expected returns of an investment. They also tend to trade excessively, quick to sell the asset that has disappointed them only to buy a new security that they feel overconfident about. In context, in a study by James Montier entitled Behaving Badly in 2006, he found that out of 300 fund managers, most had overestimated or exaggerated their ability to outperform the market or even other fund managers. Of the 300 fund managers, nearly 100% of them felt their performance was average or better. 26% felt they were average. 74% believed they were above average. However, 
only 50% can be average. They overestimated their performance. Now, as we close out this study, I hope this has helped you understand how you make decisions. The idea here is to grow in our decision-making processes and to recognize our biases and address them to make better decisions. Remember to imagine the potential you have as you address your biases and make better financial choices. Thank you for joining me for Imagine the Potential podcast. The opinions voiced in this show's podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision.